0: As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment Advisor service is offered through Townscore Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townscore is not affiliated with any other named entity. thanks again as always to the Norden group you guys know that they're uh, they're your go-to for all of your wealth management needs uh, Dan and I are trying something new this week we are on our way down to St. George for the first I cup of the season and uh, we're in the van and we're not sure if the audio will be good enough to release if you're hearing this I guess it was um, uh, I was gonna say if you're not hearing this but that's kind of irrelevant Um. Yeah, we, we want to talk a little bit this week about, about racing and then um, training plans as the race season kind of gets rolling here. it's always It always comes earlier than I remember,
1: huh? You know, it's been really weird getting ready for a race with, like, two feet of snow outside and, and like, it snowed yesterday. A monster storm, and then you're getting ready to go down. I mean, St. George is going
0: to be, it's not going to be warm down there.
1: No, it's not going to be warm, but it's not going to be worse than what we came from.
0: No, no. Well, the bar's pretty low, but, um, but yeah, Red Rock Rampage, um, is, I believe I'm correct in saying the oldest continuously running mountain bike race in
1: Utah. Oh, is it really? It is. Yeah. I, I, I saw know that. that
0: on, I, I mean, ICUP claims that. I don't know if it's true. It's, I don't know why they'd lie. Well, um, if you saw it online, it's got to be true. It must be true. Certainly. As are all things you see online. But, um, yeah, I've, I've done Red Rock Rampage was my first non-NICA mountain bike race. Bike oh, okay. race, period. Um, I've only ever won two bike races in my career, and it was—they were both Red Rock Rampages in my respective category back then. Um,
1: so well, yeah, let's, we're not. Let's we make it
0: three. We won't be repeating tomorrow, but um, yeah, we, we were talking about racing
1: a little bit. I have some. some I think thoughts that on might have a lot to do with your winter training methods too.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we can. I I don't know. Is it okay if I interrupt my character assassination to do a quiz really quick? Okay. Sure. So. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a, a technical quiz for Dan this week. I think we, we've had people asking for that, you know, kind of going more into the culture lately. We'll, we'll ask Dan about some, some mechanical, technical stuff, and we'll start here. Dan, how many, and I'm going to miss some too, so I know there are a few of you listening to this who will correct me, but in the interest of embarrassing Dan, I will ask, um, how many different cross-country
1: forks can you name? How many different cross-country forks can I name? Yes, different brands and models. There there are a few out there. The answer is four. Okay. Which which four can oh, you name? Shoot, I'm supposed to be specific. Yes, okay. be okay. as
0: specific as possible.
1: Okay, Gal. Um, the RockShox Reba. Okay, yep. That, that counts. Okay, that counts. Yep. Um, the Fox Factory 34. Okay. You have to be a little the more Fox specific. The Fox Factory 32.
0: 32 I'll take 34 you're going to need to be more specific because there are some 34s that are cross country and then some that aren't what is the what is the thing you can look for to tell you if it's the cross country version of a Fox 34 if it's lighter no there's there's part of the name it's in the name factory no it's step cast uh, step cast oh okay. step cast the 34 step cast indicates that it's the it's got the stepped Step cast lowers,
1: means cross country. Means
0: cross country. And then you've got the normal 34, which goes all the way up to like 140 mils these days, I think. Okay. So, and then you've got the Reba. Um, there's, there are a couple what other about, RockShox products. The Judy's products.
1: not cross country, right?
0: I mean, the Judy's like the entry level fork. So, like, it, it's it's like a 90, 100 mil travel fork, but it only appears on, it's like a $200 put it on a kind of step up from a walmart bike kind of thing so i don't really know if i count that
1: i didn't know that close
0: enough we'll count it okay and um what's rock shock's the the lefty okay the lefty that is true um but you're missing rock shock's main cross-country offering their high-end one the sid correct the sid and technically You split that between the the Sid SL and the normal and the Sid whatever. We'll 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 let that slide. Are there any others that you can name? Because there are a few others out there. The Marzuki. Uh, Marzuki does not currently make a true cross country oriented fork. Okay. They're recently, if you're curious, that's an old '90s brand that Fox recently acquired, and they kind of specialize in like mid mid range. um, Kind of, I don't want to say budget because it is still nice stuff, but like sort of budget. Uh, trail and enduro options. Um, there are a few more that I could I could name that are out there from outside of Fox and RockShox and Lefty.
1: Yeah, but people probably don't need to worry too much about them, right? right I was going to say.
0: If you're interested, uh, DT Swiss... Oh, um, yeah, DT Swiss. Those I don't remember what theirs is called, but they offer a couple different kind of cross-country forks. And then the one that I've been really interested in is this new Canadian company. Well, they're not that new, but they're called Intend. And they have a fork called the Samurai that is an inverted fork. Do you remember the old RockShox RS1? Yeah. It was inverted. Um, not a great product by all accounts. Lefties um, are inverted. Lefties are inverted, correct. Yeah, that is. Wow, look at you. Well, I have one. So. Oh, yeah, that's cheating. Um, the Intend is the lightest downcountry fork. And it's really interesting. The way it works is you have to buy a RockShox damper, a RockShox SID damper, and then send it to them, and they put it in into their inverted fork that's like super super Wait, light why do you why don't they just i don't
1: know d- i have in no themselves? idea i have no clue did they lose their credit account with rock shocks like, or like something? somebody
0: was like mean to the rock shocks rap and now they have to get it from you i have yeah. no idea but that's that's kind of their business model that's really bizarre really cool thing though um other oh, i thought of another lauf oh do we count lauf that's interesting i guess you would count lauf yeah lauf counts um, I'd also throw out there's options from like uh, SR Suntour. I have no idea. We don't get those in the America. Those aren't, aren't those kind of entry-level Walmart? I mean, they kinda? had Maxime Murat one, rode one for a while on the okay. BH team. Huh. Um, uh, gosh, what else is there? There are others I'm forgetting, too. Magura doesn't anymore. They used to. Uh, Payson McElvin rode that for a minute. And uh, there are a couple of you nerdy guys who are going to remind me of some I'm forgetting. But We'll move on to the next question here. Dan, if you wanted to run a 2.4, uh, 2.4 tire, as yes. you do now, you run 2.4 Aspens, correct? Yes, I do. What is the kind of range of rim width, inner rim inner width you'd want to look for to run that tire comfortably?
1: I have no idea. And if I guess, I'm just going to sound stupid. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't
0: so no nope nope, not quite Um, I don't even know how to make fun of that one Um, no this is interesting because this is like a less sexy tech thing to think about because that's half
1: of 2.4 I figure it it, needs to be at least half I guess that is okay well there we go good job with your (laughs)
0: Sesame Street level math then no this is interesting because like I said it's not like a sexy thing to know like you'd be like oh I like this fork more than this fork or I think XTR versus Axis or whatever but this is prop- one of those things that affects
1: your performance I know it more needs to be realize. wide enough that your tire doesn't, like, do the light bulb thing. But right. I, don't, I don't remember how many millimeters right. it is or whatever. So, if you're
0: listening to this, I would recommend an internal width of at least 25, uh, 25 mils. Um, and then up to, I mean, realistically, there's not an up to. I don't. There's not a ton of rims out there that are too, like, that. I mean, there's, like, the old plus rims. You know, if your rim is 40 mils wide or whatever, that might be a little too wide. But... The important thing you need to know is, like, make sure your rims are at least 25, ideally more like 27, 28, to be running a 2.4. Um, final final tech question for you here, Dan. Okay. Which of these measurements, which of these things would not traditionally belong in a cross-country bike, okay? Uh, we're going to say 760 bars. Those are fine. 200 mil rotor or a 120 mil fork? The rotor. The rotor, correct. There you go. If those of you are curious, rotors come in, I would say three common sizes now. That used to be four. Well, no, it's kind of four again. 160, 180, 200, 200. 200. So I was going to say it used to be four, but it's kind of still four, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean. It used to be you get rotors in 140, 160, 180, and 200. And 200 was for downhill, and 100 was for road or excuse me, 140 was for road. People have kind of moved on from 140 rotors. Like when Open came out with their road bike a couple of years ago, they made their frames 180, or excuse me, 160 native. They kind of said like, we don't think anybody should be running 140s. It's a tiny little weight increase to go to 160s and you get more braking power. Um, and on the mountain bikes, so you kind of, I think in a couple of years, most road bikes will just have 160s. Cross-country bikes will have 160s with maybe a 180 on the front trail bikes like um my bike that i just barely bought came with that pike is a 180 native you can't run anything smaller than 180 on it and then a lot of folks are even picking up 200 mil rotors for their trail and enduro bikes now and sram recently well not recently a couple years ago brought out 220 mil rotors wow cook a pizza on them um so yeah there you go there's your nerdy tech quiz as always please send me test questions for dan i don't think i've received any that i haven't used so so, send him my way. Um, and when you send him, make him kind of easy because I'm not very. Dan good Dan doesn't at this. like looking stupid, yeah. but it's kind of fun. Uh, kind of fun to watch. Uh, so, like I said before, we are on our way down to St. George for the first race of the season. And Dan and I were kind of talking about like why 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 we do this, you know, because we're we're paying depending on when you signed up and how much you procrastinated, sixty to seventy dollars to go ride your bike in a circle two to four times. <laughs> um uh, really far away from your home and it's kind of an interesting thing because Dan and I both agree that there's a lot of value to racing and that it makes you a better bike rider but um, kind of interesting to talk about the different ways people approach it. I've kind of had an interesting relationship
1: with racing in the past couple of years, but I would I, we were just like before we started recording we were talking about racing. We weren't even planning about talking about this today. And Joe and I just have a complete like racing is a completely different experience for the two of us you know we just we both come at it from a completely different approach and in angles it was it was interesting to talk to him about it
0: what well, it is and i guess to start i would kind of ask you like, what's your pitch on why you should race bikes because at, at, at the core dan and i do both believe that generally speaking with a few exceptions
1: you should race bikes yeah well I mean, obviously, people don't have to race bikes. I mean, you can no. you can still be a really athletic, fit rider, skilled that, skilled rid, rider yeah. that doesn't race. But I do think you need to have something that that kind of motivates you to train and to be fit for. And you know whether that's a race or, or that's to be able to keep up with a certain somebody, or to be able to complete a certain distance or able to do something at a certain time you know I it's just I think for me personally it's really helpful to have something that motivates me to stay in shape and to stay sharp and and be ready and and for me racing kind of helps you know helps with that you know it gives me something to get ready for it helps me
0: So, so to describe to me really quick you you mentioned and you are correct I think in saying that you and I have very different approaches to racing Tell me about how you feel about racing, how you feel when you're racing, what you feel before you race and after you race and your motivations.
1: Well, so the, the most of the racing I do, I usually set up a couple of tents and and put out a bunch of food and get set up some water bottles. I usually don't get a warm up and then I go race and that's terrible race prep and I usually don't do that great. You know, I'm it, but, honest, honestly, for me, it's just a blast. I think it's super fun. Um, it's it's kind of just it's like this big adrenaline rush, and I can find myself doing things that I just couldn't do if it was a training ride. And you know, you just you just get that the effect of that adrenaline going, and um, you know, typically I'm going to have like my best performances and get my best my best power numbers and get my highest heart rates and so forth when I'm racing. Stuff I stuff I really can't push myself hard enough to do when I'm training. So is racing fun for you? It's a blast. So you are you're actively Uh, having fun while you're racing. You know what? I yeah, and and I definitely benefit from low expectations but to me it's just fun. In also for me usually I like I'll sign up to do an cup just so I get a ride that day
0: but yeah for me it's just a blast so do you enjoy like the night before a race are you thinking about that race do you are you super invested in the races that you're doing is it just like oh well I'm here
1: I'll knock it out like what do you you know, you know I kind of just use it as an excuse to carb load
0: okay well fair enough I use a lot of things as an excuse to carb load um,
1: but yeah I, it really I don't I don't stress out about it too much. I kind of know, I kn- I kind of know who I am and what I'm capable of. And, and for me, it's just, it's just fun, you know, and I love the social aspect of it. Um, to be honest, I think it's kind of cool to, you know, people at work think it's interesting that I do bike races. So I think that's kind of cool, but yeah, it's fun. It really doesn't stress me out very much at all.
0: This is interesting. So you and I do have completely different relationships with, with bike racing. And a little, a little bit of background to help you kind of understand my, my world. Um, I started riding bikes seriously in high school uh, with the Skyline Mountain Bike Team. I did three years of uh, NICA. I did sophomore my first year, and I did really well. I was like, I, was, I don't even remember. I think I finished like 12th overall, 10th overall or something. Um, for the record, that was back when there was one league in Utah and one sophomore boys division, just to kind of give you an idea of how far things have come. Um, and uh, I, I remember that first year, it was, it was really, really, really hard. I raced like, you know, an idiot, but I was I was kind of in that early stage of progression as a rider where things were going great, and I just got better and better and better. And my coach convinced me to do varsity the next year. And I did varsity the next year, and I was okay, I was fine. You know, I was kind of, I think I finished 12th again, if I remember correctly, overall, which was okay. And uh, the year after that, I was a senior, and um, I was the, the team captain. I was generally the fastest guy in the group ride. You know, I was kind of our team's best hope for a good varsity showing. And uh, if you've listened to some of my, you know, my other work about eating disorders and stuff, I, you know, encourage you to go back. I'm not going to tell the whole story now. Went way overboard, did a bunch of crazy stuff. Was way, way too concerned about racing. And uh, I was telling Dan, I remember in the last two years of my high school racing career, I was doing all of the I Cups, all of the midweeks, all of the Nika races, and then like doing nationals or something. Um, and I was telling Dan that every single race was. A, I don't think you did all of them. I think I did all. But you all. did a lot. Did you a raced l- probably too much. But I don't. know oh, I did, did all the I Cups that one year.
1: Yeah, but I don't think you did all the midweeks. That I did. Same I year. did
0: every single midweek that year. Yeah, really. Okay. I re- no, I really truly did. Yeah, the my senior year, I don't think I did. My who, junior who paid year, for I did. that, I don't remember. Yeah, paying. well, yeah, someone. Uh, thanks, Dan. I don't remember paying for it. Well, you know, you did. um But you know, I was telling Dan earlier, like, um, you know, midweeks here in, in Utah are on Tuesday nights, and. Um, by Sunday morning, I would be heart wrenchingly nervous for the midweek, like just dying. You know, I'd be sitting there in school for two days, just like freaking out about the next midweek, right? And I Cups and Nike races were even worse. I, I, and to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't have said this at the time, but like I absolutely dreaded every single race that I was doing, but simultaneously, because like, a lot of kids I think dread bike racing. Because mom or dad is making him do it and they don't really want to do it and it's uncomfortable and it's not fun I was I was like into it it was my entire life and I was dreading it at the same time and and I'm I'm still working through my relationship with racing but every single race was just like
1: psychologically damaging I was going so hard I was suffering so hard every single time you know it's interesting because um, I didn't do one last year but I usually do an end of season poll where I like to ask a whole lot of questions to all our riders just to try to learn more about them and kind of learn more about what people are going through and one of the questions I always ask is I ask about the relationship with racing and overwhelmingly most people say that they love it and they do it for fun
0: which is interesting because I could not describe I was telling Dan I cannot think of a lot of experiences I've had racing a bike where I've had fun and that sucks and that's honestly why we're here right now for for background i haven't done an i cup since before covid um obviously covid threw things off 2019 i raced quite a bit um 2020 i didn't race at all there were there were a few opportunities to race i didn't take any of them um and then 2021 after that it was hard for me to get back into it i did the mesa verde race at the beginning of the year 21 and 22. didn't do any midweeks didn't do any i cups maybe did a cross race or two and uh, I felt fine. I was telling Dan that like my motivation to ride doesn't come from racing. You know, I'm super motivated to ride really hard and as much as I can um, without racing. So I don't think I, I need it in that way. But I, I do think there's there's been something missing, and I do think that racing is, is good for you. And I don't want racing skills to to start to atrophy. And so I kind of decided I'm like I'm I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna throw myself back into a race here and see how it goes because I want racing to be fun because i have so much fun riding my bike hard and suffering
1: on my own or with with my group or with my brothers or whatever but um which is interesting because i struggle with my training i i mostly just ride sub threshold that's pretty much like i never i rarely do intervals myself i rarely i rarely do super hard group rides or anything that that go above threshold so Um, I don't get enough intensity. Uh, Joe gets plenty of intensity in his training. You know, and and really quick—that's not
0: necessarily good. Um, I think there are. This is how he likes to do it. I think it's funny. I always say, like, the average like bicycling magazine reader has to look for ways to like. Oh, you know, I like to go out and ride and have fun, but it's it's hard for me to motivate to go. Like, I was for better, for worse, maybe even for worse, like. I learned how to ride a bike in, in, a, in, a, in an environment where the philosophy was, you ride as hard as you can all the time, you know, like I remember one of the rules, so this back, you know, I mean, gosh, what year would this have been, like 2014, 2015, one by drivetrains weren't rare, but it was like less, not even a majority of people were using them yet, I remember the rule for us was um, we couldn't use our little ring, we had to stay, do you remember that, we had to stay in the big ring. On all of our rides, which meant, for those of you who know gearing, I was riding, gosh, that was probably a 36 ring up front with an 1136 out back. I don't know. What would that even... No, I mean, maybe an 1140. No, not even that. It would have been, like, an 1136, huh? Yeah. And, like, if you if you know gear ratios, you're listening to that, like, whoa, that's absolutely insane. Like, I'd climb the solitude road in that gear. I, I probably... I think in the you know i had that that little scott scale for two or three years i never replaced the inner ring i like broke a couple of outer rings and i had them hanging on my wall do you remember that
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so like it was like a
1: yeah and, it, and i remember i
0: remember somebody saying one time that like the reason our team was doing so well was because the rides were harder than the races you know and that was kind of i don't know if i i agree with that philosophy anymore because like well, I've kind of found now that like I'm, I'm used to riding so hard that I get into a race and I try to ride harder than that. And I blow up. You have nowhere else to go, <laughs> I have you know, nowhere else to go. And,
1: and that's kind of what I, th- I think your problem was and has been is that, that, you know, if you go hard every single time you go, you just have nowhere to move on your races. You've, you've already done your race efforts pretty much every time you ride. And so you just have nothing left when you go to race. And, i'm like you know if you would have gone easier and 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 done some more easy rides racing i I honestly think it would have been a completely different experience but um but you know it's interesting that 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 saying you know like what is it train hard race easy yeah you know that's something i kind of agree with and I, i like I get what you're trying to say. Yeah, I, I agree with like it and I disagree well with it. So
0: that you can handle it. If and, that's and the
1: point. Exactly, and and I I do think that like being able to deal with pain and, and and mental toughness, I think it's 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 obviously super important, but it can only do so much. I mean, you can only toughen your way up a little bit, you know, and and I think really the important thing is, is, you know, doing, you know, doing the work to get prepared so that when you show up to race, it, you know, you're relying more on your fitness and the training that you've done rather than intense, miserable suffering to, to get your result, you know, that's, that's only, I mean, that's going to help a lot, but you know your your fitness and your preparations way more important than your ability to go into really 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 dark dark places
0: well and it's interesting because I've asked this question before like I remember watching a race it was I don't remember what year it was but it was just a year or two ago it was the Nova Mesto um, World Cup and it was the one that Tom Pidcock won and do you, I don't know if you remember this it was a sprint between Tom Pidcock who's now the mountain bike uh, Olympic champion um is this of, the
1: question Don asked a little while ago? Uh, no, I don't think so. this is okay. different. This is
0: I, I, we have had this conversation pre-podcast and it was it was Pidcock versus Vlad Dascalu who's just been knocking on the door of a World Cup win for so long. <laughs> I'd love to see him win one this year. Um and it came down to this sprint. It was this great battle for the last two or three laps. Came down to the sprint between Dascalu and Pidcock. Dascalu lost it by like a bike length, right? And you could tell it was just gutted. He was so close to this World Cup win. I was like what if he just pushed a little harder like have you ever seen that when a race is close or something when somebody gets to the top of move on to a second ahead of the next guy you're like could you not have just pushed that little bit harder you know and um i i think that's kind of a dangerous way to think about you know, bike the, racing you know it's the like,
1: answer is maybe i guess you know. but
0: should you you know like i i think i think if you're listening to this you know how to push yourself in all likelihood. I think if you're serious enough to be listening to a podcast with Dan and I talking, you've got to be serious enough about the sport to know how to push yourself. I do think that like most Nike riders who just show up to a practice a week and then three out of five races or whatever, and finish near the back. Like I think a lot of those guys probably don't really know how far they can push themselves, but I, I don't know. I think it's the, the majority of kids that I've worked with on Maybird and Nike and whatever, like, seem to be able to push themselves just fine if anything we're working on like hey tone it back a little bit you don't have to ride this hard and every and time suffer only this occasionally much. and I think and I was talking to Dan I won't go on like a soapbox about this um, you know no one's ever c- accused me of being concise but like I, I, I was telling Dan there's Art, Art O'Connor who you, many of you know is WUCAR the Wookar guy posted this fascinating thing on Instagram like a year ago talking about how it's kind of the suffer culture in cycling is silly you know, and that suffering should never be the point of cycling. And I can say like, if you really understand suffering and pain, it's not something you want. It's something that you're like maybe at best willing to do. And I think it's a good skill to know how to deal with, right? Like Dan and I are saying that like mental toughness and knowing how to suffer physically and push your body is great, but it should be a byproduct of you trying to achieve something. It shouldn't be that you're going out. I mean, I think really truthfully, and I'm not a, 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 you know I don't have any medical qualifications to say this for sure but like I think if you really just ride bikes because you like suffering that's probably a psychological disorder and when most of us say like oh I just like to go hard and hurt we don't really mean it you know I think if you really push yourself to the edge of where your body can go that's not a pleasant place to be you know well,
1: I mean I kind of agree and disagree with, with what are saying uh, because like I mean yeah the point of training like our goal isn't to suffer our goal is to get faster and healthier yeah and and you know make adaptations and so forth but in order to do that you do have to at least get uncomfortable well you know and
0: and that's what i'm saying is like you you should be willing to but that's not the reason we We don't do
1: we don't do it for that reason yeah and and i'll admit I, i personally think it's it's fun and rewarding to kind of you know like I always like to say you know find your limits and push them yeah I think that's really rewarding and it feels really good when you when you've done that and it's it's behind you and yeah when it's
0: behind you and
1: <laughs> you know and, and honestly like sometimes if you you know if you if you do a ride and don't ever experience that it can kind of be a little bit of a it's sort of hollow it feels hollow yeah, yeah. but I, I do think that a lot of people think that the only times you get faster is is if you suffer, but that's only true with some energy systems You well, know the other thing
0: is like I should th- throw out that like suffering can look like when I say suffering I mean like you're at the your heart rates at the max and your muscles feel like they're about to explode because you're in the Last minute of your climb up some canyon or something or on the last you know hundred meters of your of your mountain bike or cross race or whatever, but I think like the people who really get good at this are the ones who are willing to suffer through the boredom and monotony sometimes of that really long base ride that you've got to oh, do in the winter or go those, out. That's cold, what you have you know? to be able
1: to suffer through. If you want to be elite I, level, I be-
0: will suffer through so much short term pain. You know, I mean, my therapist will say it's, I'm using it as a crutch to distract myself from mental pain or whatever, but like I'm, I can handle that. But like, I am not willing to go out and ride for four hours in the winter not that you should all the time, but like, you get, you get what I'm saying there that like, um, I don't know. And I think, I think you should probably work on developing all those things become, you know, mentally tough all around, you know, be able to, because being able to put up with monotony and stuff like that is, is a good life
1: skill too, you know, because that's like, that's almost just patience that you need to develop to, to do, to do that. I mean, but you know, we've talked before about like autonomic fight or flight stress and, you know and if every workout you're doing you're triggering that it's not healthy um, you know and, and that's why you know that's why the polarized approach is is such smart training because you're really only getting to you know if you're going to achieve autonomic stress you should make it count but you shouldn't do it every single time you ride right you know so
0: and so if, you, if you're like me and, and I will say I will defend myself here like the last couple of years have been some of the busiest years of my life. I've been working full time and going to school part time or vice versa. You know, like I, I have a, a relationship I try to maintain, you know um, you won't always have the time to do the ideal uh, amount of training. And then I think in some cases it can be appropriate to do a little more intensity than others. So like there, there might be a place for it, but ultimately like, and this is, I I'm, I'm of all the people on this team. I'm the one that needs to hear this and practice this the most, but like, I think you have to learn to to burn your matches judiciously. Exactly. You know, that's really well like, said. And yeah. and that's even it even just in a race, you know? Like like really short term, you cannot just go and if you hurt as hard as you can in the first lap of your race, you're going to suck. <laughs> you know,
1: I you know and and I want to do like a whole podcast. I, I wish like there should almost be a drinking game for every time I say I want to do a whole podcast about something. Take
0: take a, take a shot of scratch every time Dan says
1: But you know, just about like, I know so many riders that they do awesome on their group rides. They're really fit, fast,
0: skilled skilled individuals. Good bike handlers. I can
1: think of a good handful of these riders that, but boy, if you know, when they show up to race, they it doesn't translate yeah like like for most people i would say for most riders you know when they show up to a race it causes them to have their best performances their highest heart rates their their best power numbers they're they're going to get like strava prs all over the course yep um other riders and i can think of a good handful or two they you know they show up to race and you know something happens and they just don't do as well as they probably could and that's you know they're they're basically just they basically choke you know and I'll
0: and, and throw out this is me I am I, I think I'm the best example of this of, of people that I personally know
1: I, I yeah and I think these riders it could be a couple of things one it could be just choking you know right. um, part of it you know that could like, be just, part. like uh, being too worried being freaked out yeah you know? just just too much anxiety too much, yeah. their their energies focused in the wrong places and so forth um But the the other thing too could be that maybe you know, maybe that they've just spent too much time training too hard outside of racing that they really don't have much left when it when it's time to perform. I think that's another factor. But, you know, my my advice if if you find yourself being one of these riders that kinda you know, you don't really have your best performances at races, um, one thing, one advice, piece of advice I like to give to these riders, is change your goal for these work and just try it. Just try this as an experiment, and if I'm wrong, you don't ever have to do it again. But just when you show up to a race, make your goal be to get the best workout you could possibly get. Your goal is just to get an awesome workout, and you really don't care about what place you get that doesn't matter what matters is that you just push yourself and just have an awesome workout try approaching it from that frame of mind and just see if you get a better result and if you don't you know keep doing it the way you've been doing it um but i, I honestly think that if you're if you're having trouble with choking that might help things out a little bit
0: well and to throw it really quick i can give you some, from experience some really bad ways to approach it. i mean it's, it's hard to nail down the best way but I can give you a bunch of things that I think you should definitely not do especially at the the stage in your cycling development where the majority of our listeners are Um, do not say my goal for this race is to beat Susie Jones you know or Davey Smith like don't do that that's such a bad idea I, I remember a conversation I had with Dan we were driving to a race just like we are now we're driving to Vernal I don't know if you remember this and I was looking at the start list for the varsity boys race on Saturday Then I was saying, oh, well, this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy can for sure beat me. This guy might. This guy might. This guy I should beat. This guy I should beat. These guys I definitely will beat. And we decided where I was going to finish in that race. I don't know if you remember. We decided that I would finish fourth. That there were three guys that I was not going to beat and that I think I could beat the rest. And that is dumbest thing i've ever. well that's not true that's not even close to that is one of the dumbest things i've ever done specifically in relation to cycling um uh i i think somebody said to me one time that if you base your performance goal on somebody else's performance goal you will always either be way over or under confident um you know like how somebody else it's a moving target you can't control such don't do that there's so many bad i think that's pretty obvious why that's a bad idea do not do that don't and even like I don't know, like, I don't even think it would be for the good for, like, the Gibbon twins to say, oh, I want to beat Oliver tomorrow. Like, I don't, do just, do, how the other person's doing is irrelevant, you know. And I'd also say this, like, no matter how well you do in the even if you win the race, there's somebody that could have showed up that could have beat you, you know. Or if you move up to the next class, you'll get beat.
1: Or if you win varsity in Utah, there's somebody in another. Like, it's, but, you know, one thing I do want to point out about this, about racing and, is that everyone's individual and there's there's something that's going to work to motivate you that's not going to work to motivate me and there's you know and and ultimately it's going to come down to finding what's what's the best healthiest way to motivate you to do well and still have fun and and have a healthy relationship with it and that's different for everybody you know i mean there are some people like like obviously nino shows up to race wanting to win and likely can yeah you know but but me when i show up to race my my goal is just to to find my limits and push them and and have fun and see some friends and you know and hopefully do better the next time you know but it really is different for everybody but you know you just have to make sure that it's that it's healthy you know that that it's positive fun and healthy and sustainable Well, no, i'm not say causing Excessive amounts of undue stress. Yeah, and really quick, I should say it is incredibly
0: loud. We're going very fast on the freeway. There's a lot of wind. Um, we are kind of shouting a little bit. I know that sounds unnatural. Forgive us, but really quick, and and our, my battery is dwindling. And we want to get on to the next thing, so we'll, we'll wrap this up soon. But like, yeah, we
1: didn't plan on talking about any
0: of that. Really. Yeah, really, that but really, I I would just end by saying like, so far as I know, nobody listening to this gets paid to do this. This isn't your job let cycling be the passionate part of you. And I want you to say this fun part of your life. It's like going to the movies or kicking it with friends. Like let it be the passionate part of your life that motivates you. That's rewarding and everything. Don't treat this like it's your job. Like if you don't win, it's okay. You know, you're, you could be able to pay rent still. Like it's, it's not, don't, don't freak out and think, Oh, it's a contract year. So I have to win this many races. Like let professional cyclists worry about that. You know, I think for, for anybody listening to this, just make sure cycling's a passionate part of because honestly for me, there was a point in my life where cycling wasn't passionate anymore. it was just stress, you know and you're going to have to deal with something that's just stress in your life and it's called your job. <laughs> and if you don't have one now you will, and I can tell you that I go to a job every day that's just stressful and not very passionate for me, and I'm grateful for it and I want to be good at it. but let cycling be that passion thing. so to change gears, uh-huh. ah, everyone loves that joke every time. Um, uh, Dan, I, I was asking Dan, I was like, you know, we kind of decided on a whim to do this, and usually Dan has some notes to guide him. I, I don't have notes. I don't know if you can tell because I'm bad. Like, Joe never has notes. I I, don't know, know I just talk. Did. I've, I just, I came out, I popped out talking and I haven't stopped. Um, uh, I was like, what, what do you, what, what can we actually do a show on? What do you have prepared? Like, what can you talk about without notes? And you said, like, I'm, I'd be interested in talking about training plans. And, um, and not just like i mean this this whole show i guess is about like training principles and stuff we actually mean like the training plan you get in your email from training peaks or a similar company that says
1: this is what you do on tuesday and this is what you do on wednesday and and, um." well i just wanted to talk about trading plans in general because so when i you know when people filled out their their applications for maybird this year one of the questions joe asked was because he did the application um is what are some of your goals for this upcoming season and and how do you plan to accomplish them and i was amazed at the number of people that put that they're going to start following a training plan and i thought oh that's interesting like like just like wh- almost like as if why any like any training plan as long as you're following a training plan is going to naturally make you faster it's right? almost like
0: it's almost like that's just what you're supposed to do next like when you're dating someone like how serious it is it's like oh you put a heart emoji next to their name that's pretty serious or oh you know you know you're you're meeting their parents and oh now you're having Thanksgiving at their house oh now you're married you know I, was, uh, I always said people like oh I'm getting more serious as a cyclist now guess it's time to have a
1: training plan you know is that is that you think that's how a lot of people are kind of approaching this that's a really good way to think of it I've never really thought of it that way before and so you know I mean is a training so the question is like is a training plan better question mark and I would say maybe question mark
0: probably I I, I said when we were talking about this earlier I'm like I bet almost every professional cyclist has one to some extent to some extent right I'd be surprised if there were any good professional cyclists who have no training plan right
1: you know because I mean there's a lot of like a lot of different levers to pull and moving pieces and so forth you know that you know if it wasn't if there wasn't some order to it that's seems pretty random like if you're trying to
0: optimize your body and look for marginal gains like it would be kind of weird to do that without a a plan
1: right something on paper somewhere you know but you know is it I mean is there a right plan and a wrong plan and is there a a better plan and a less good plan and you know and and should you pay for a plan you know like you know and and is a plan better than no and so you know, there's, there's a couple of things I just want to kind of start out by saying, and and first, let me just emphasize that there are a lot of ways to get fast, and it, you know, anyone that, that tells you there's just one way that's the best way and the only way is trying to sell you something. Is trying to sell you something. Yeah. yeah there's, there are a lot of ways to get fast, and you know, following a training plan is one of them. Following another training plan is also another one of them just riding a lot I mean that's going to get you fast there's you know you know I've I've said it several times but to me you know the three key things to getting faster are one your volume which in parentheses, I would put consistency because consistency is the best way to achieve your volume number one is riding your bike a lot yeah but riding your bike a lot consistently is, and then number two is Intensity distribution. Yep. Aha. Right.
0: See, you tripped me up on that one time, and I swear I never And let then what's number again. three? Oh, gosh. Have fun. I don't no. know. Well, be yeah, safe. that's true. Yeah, no. see, that's like one of those things. I mean, safe you can answers. get
1: fast without having fun, but you won't be doing it for long. Yeah, sorry. What, what so, was number three, Dan? Recovery. Reco-
0: oh, duh. Okay, well, yeah. there you go. See, yeah. I don't know why I'm. Why am I. Why are, you, why, are you, why are any of you listening to me? I mean, Dan even a little bit like I don't know anything that's like useful to impart in podcast form I don't know why we're here sorry my existential crisis is over go back yeah. to your point
1: you know <laughs> so if if you had one rider that was doing those three things really well and another rider who was following a training plan
0: but not doing those things well you know who's,
1: <laughs> gonna, be, who's gonna be faster it, good principles went out Yeah. The, the good principles are the most important. And I think what really matters with, with a training plan period is, is how well you apply those three principles within that plan. And I think, I think some training plans are going to help you apply those three principles better than you naturally would do on your own. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to help you one be more consistent if yes. it's telling you know if you've if you've paid someone money to tell you to ride every day yeah you, you might be more likely to ride every day
0: well, just have some guidance you know because sometimes you finish you had a bad day at work and you're like oh i'm busy i need to make dinner and clean up i'm not gonna ride but if you're like hey i have got this ride. it's an hour and 20 minutes hour and 30 minutes and i'm gonna do these things like i think that is huge for busy people too you yeah. know they're like no like I have this much time I need to slot and I'm going to do this you know that's that's valuable
1: I mean it's, it's honestly kind of my theory that most training plans just encourage consistency yeah kind of uh, for, for certain types of personalities you know and I, I think that's how you know that's one reason they, they can be beneficial you know and two you know if if it's helping you distribute your intensity you know like It's telling you to go easy most of the time, but have your interval day or, you know, have one or two days a week where you, you know, where, where there's a hard workout prescribed, um, that's going to help you. But what really makes the difference there is, is how hard you're able to push your limits on those hard workouts, you know, like, um, that's, that's going to make the difference there. And then, but in my opinion, the most important thing about a recover—what <laughs> I slipped there—about a training spoiler plan alert. alert is that you get planned recovery. Because yes. I, I honestly think that if you just recover when you need to, usually it's too little, too late. Uh, if you try to just, you know, if you just try to recover once a month you're not going to you know I, I think if that's planned out that's that's probably the most important and beneficial part of a I'm training you, plan
0: riding your bike kind of kind of hard is fun and if if you don't have something on your calendar saying don't ride your bike kind of hard today um you won't because you'll finish you know like you'll be like me and be like finish a stressful crappy day at work and be like i want to ride my bike kind of hard you know and like that will win every single time until it's too late like you said so i do think there's value there yeah. I am curious though, Dan, because I've seen so many training plans where it's like you open up the day and it's like start your workout with a 17 and a half minute warm up at this intensity, but you start at this intensity and work up to that and then do five intervals at 82% of your VO2 max and then do in between those five intervals do recovery periods at 152 watts and like it's like I've at seen 80 writers, RPM and, and I've seen bump have up to like a sticky note on their top tube every day with their uh, training plan you can tell by our tone and the way we're talking about this that we generally disapprove what what are your thoughts
1: on that Dan well actually those really complex plans you they actually just go to your garmin or your wahoo and you can well, right, but you know what follow I'm saying. them yeah. step by step yeah but, um, yeah I I personally think that, that that's kind of a little bit silly to be that random and that all over the place and and that to think that that's just the magical formula that's gonna make you faster than anybody else is
0: because uh, I, I remember that's, trying to do those, and it would I'd get so frustrated because inevitably you can't because you're you're like oh it's time for my this interval at this power but then there's a hill in front of you that's too steep or it's too flat and or there's some you have to get off the way if you get away for someone and their dog you know or there's a red light like your traffic's slow like there's it's impossible to do those unless you're on a trainer
1: yeah and. I, I think those kind of workouts, I mean, they may, they are going to be beneficial. Oh, they're way better than nothing. Yeah. Well, all of the above
0: is better than nothing.
1: I I just don't know how you know that that happens to be the magic formula that's going to make all the difference. And and in fact, if, if you really want to do something that random, here's an idea, like go on a mountain bike ride. Yeah. exactly. It's (laughs) like... Your power will be all over the place. Your cadence will be all over the You'll place. You'll get forced
0: recovery when you have to go downhill. Yeah, you forced you know? active recovery. Like, uh, there's going to be that really steep hill. You've got to pump your way up for 30 I, seconds. I, my, my
1: personal belief on workouts is they should be so simple and boring that you almost feel like it's a waste of money to pay a coach to tell you to do them. Yeah, no, you know they they should be super simple. They should be like. You 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 could describe the workout in a sentence and be able to do it. I
0: I think it's a good principle. Like I think so many, especially in like the the five second attention span internet economy that we all operate in, I think it's so many people just be like, oh, here's the quick fix to do this, or here's the one you know, like here's the one training or, plate or the that's magic get bullet that. That's never true. Like, it was never true in the early 2000s when it was like, doctors hate this one simple trick to get rid of belly fat. It's the same principle. Like The truth truth is that the world is complicated and nuanced and that the right answers are kind of boring sometimes. And the right answer to get faster with cycling is ride a lot and have good intensity distribution and recover appropriately.
1: You know, and if you can do all of those things really, really well and you have a training plan that's making you do those things really, really really well. That training plan will make you faster. Yes. If it's a training plan that sucks all the joy out of your life and you dread doing it, you know, training plans might not be for you. You but know, again, and,
0: and, and I want to defend because we're not like totally just taking a dump on training plans. Like, if you're the kind of personality where you thrive by having some, maybe even a significant amount of specific, you know, specificity in, in what you're supposed to do, then great. But let it be driven by those principles, not just like an arbitrary, random collection of intervals, because there's no. There's no way, like you said. There, like, why? Why? Should, why is that the magic bullet? Like, what's the evidence that this particular set of intervals versus just like embrace this is how, the principles you're supposed to follow? And bike rides are kind of random and stuff, and bike races are kind of random. You know, you don't do bike races in 30 second intervals. You know, like that's not how it works.
1: Yeah, I um, I think that the one thing we should point out here is that I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Just a sec. We'll cut. Right. Try again, Dan. All right. You're going to
0: edit that, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to cut that out. No one will ever hear that. Don't okay, worry.
1: Okay, good. Because I'm, I'm I'm driving. You know, I I don't know if people should know that. But I wonder if Highway Patrol sees us holding microphones. That, that's got to you know be at what? least as bad. It's not as bad as texting while you're this driving, This keeps right? me more alert than just driving. There you but go. But anyhow, the, I think if, if we just had to drill a point is that, Principles are more important than plans but both are important and and but but really you should have at least a good enough understanding of training principles that you could Understand the things that that are in your plans, but I do want to talk a little bit about you know why a training plan would be important and and then after that I want to talk about the difference between being coached and just following a plan because they're two totally different things. I was
0: just gonna, I was, I'm so glad you're hitting on this because I'm like, I don't want people to think that coaching is awesome and it's not a coincidence that the Payson and Normans and you know, Joe Cochran's and Xander, like all those guys, like there's and a Tate reason, Isaac and Nice and all of those guys, yeah,
1: because you uh, have really good coaches. That's not a yeah, coincidence because coaching. Oh yeah, and following a plan are two different things. Having somebody look Um,
0: at your numbers and give you like that's obviously awesome. But I wanted,
1: but first, I do want to talk about like why a training plan, if it's a, if it's a good training plan, um, is is important. And you know, like so we mentioned first of all, like um, obviously the recovery, the built-in recovery. I can't overemphasize how important that is and how. Vital that is to preventing overtraining, burnout, all kinds of problems. Um, I I would say that's probably the most important thing. Um, But another thing that that a training plan can do that you probably couldn't do just on your own is, you know, is is kind of, well, the the term's periodizing. And we're going to do a whole podcast on that. But But basically, you know, say you've got, like, you found that um, 30 by 30s is a really, you know, you respond well to it. You seem like you get faster when you do them. If you do those all season long, are you going to get faster all season? No, Dan. No, you're going to, yeah, you really, you know, there's kind of an amount of time that you need to do a certain type of workout. and, And then you'll kind of maximize the benefits from that. And then it's time to move on to something else and then just maintain that type of workout. Well, it's,
0: it's like your diet. And that's why I just kind of said no to end that mocking voice because it's like it's obvious. We hear this all the time, but it really is important. Like like uh, broccoli is awesome for you. But if you just ate broccoli, all, it's, it's like that's a horrible diet. You need variety. You know, people that tell you that you should only live on meat are idiots on TikTok trying to sell you something. Like it's another one of those boring answers that you already do is like variety, you know. Don't do the same thing over and over again. Have a good varied uh, uh, set of work because I'm totally guilty of this. I do the same ride every single day after work in the summer. I should say it's so funny how many of these things I say are important and then I just totally blow off. And then I'm like, I suck at racing. I wonder why. <laughs> anyway, here's a bunch of advice I don't follow. <laughs> you know, Like, no, but really like I do, I could tell you, I leave my house on my road bike. I do the same climbs at the same, like, I'm going to go attack this climb like I do every other day, you know? And like, um, I, I could defend that to my therapist, I guess. But, like, it's not a great way to get fast, you know. Yeah, it, you know. But I'll, on, really on, quick, on the, Dan. I'm so sorry. I keep jumping in and derailing you. And you have all these great thoughts that just get completely lost in my mindless soapboxes. So I'm going to try to shut
1: up a little no, no, bit. No, 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 no. No, it's good. Is this too much? No, this is great. Do we need to get couples counseling? I Maybe, yeah. M- maybe? Okay. Okay. So, but, well, you know what? I, I did have a great thought. And then you, and, and then I you interrupted me to, to apologize for interrupting. And now I totally lost my train of thought. But, um, you know, what I was going to say is, on the other hand, you know, rather like where you don't want to do the same workout all season long, other than your zone two, where that progresses in a different way. But um, shout out. <laughs> shout out zone two. <laughs> but you don't want to just do some random interval workout once and then never do it again your body's just going to be like oh wait what what was that and then yeah, that is a good point not ever make any changes or adapt to it you know you need to you know there needs to be enough repetition that it your body decides it needs to adapt to it you eating know
0: eating so, broccoli once won't do you any good right? yeah exactly there we go
1: um so you know then another another important principle about training plans would be the um, residuals of training Ooh, what do you mean by that? Um, again it's something I want to do a whole podcast on but 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 different um, different intensities take different amounts of time to adapt to and, and basically the the more intense an effort is the quicker you gain that type of fitness but the sooner you lose it um, Interesting. Really. so like, you know, like, so your zone two type fitness takes honestly years to develop, but at least months and months to kind of develop it, but you don't lose it very fast. But like your sprint comes and goes over the course of a weeks, a couple of right? weeks, yeah. but then you're going to lose it fast. So, so in general, you know, you know, is, is your, your training plan is going to have the more intense type workouts, the closer you get to your target event. Just because like, you know, developing, you know, really focusing on, on, you know, your zone six type work early in the season, you know, you're going to have to maintain that all season long, which is hard to do. So, hmm. so that's, that's another important reason for, for having a training plan.
0: Um, so I guess bottom line, and I hate to say bottom line, cause my battery on the laptop's about to die. Like bottom line, if somebody asked you like, should I get a training plan?
1: maybe i'd say maybe because i honestly think that like that they can be very very beneficial and but but i honestly think that if you are a rider that can you know can distribute that can be consistent you know and ride every day and get a lot of volume and you distribute your intensity smartly and you make sure you're getting adequate but not too much recovery you can get really really fast that way it's just how well you do those three things that's going to determine whether the plan is going to benefit you or not you know so
0: so the bottom line is if a training plan helps you better achieve those three principles or follow those three principles get a training plan is that kind of the bottom line?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and I do make kind of a group training plan. I'll if anyone's and and it's just a spreadsheet you can follow. You know, if if someone's really interested, they can I can send it to them. They can follow it. Ten percent um, off now using no no it's, it's yeah it's it's. But let me let's just talk really quick about coaches about coaching. oh uh, yes. Um, and. And there is, like, like we said, there is a huge difference between following a training plan and actually being coached. Uh, you know, there is, there is like training plans you can just go buy online Yep. on Training Peaks. You just follow it. You never get to interact with a coach that wrote it. It, it's not going to account for all the variables you face from day to day. When, when you get injured, when you get sick, like yeah, and, and, and I honestly think that. The, the, the training plan isn't the most important thing that a coach does no but, but not even close really you, no, know? No, not and, at all. you know and I honestly think that the most important thing that a coach could do for you is 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 be a cheerleader a motivator encourage you you know a, a teacher and all those things you know so so just because you're you know just because you're following a training plan doesn't mean you're necessarily being coached you know and, and and so much of it has to do with your your communication your back and forth between between your coach well
0: and then and, and then like i'll throw out as well like somebody who knows how to read um uh the like the metric because we have really cool programs like training peaks that can give you incredible amounts of data you know de- amounts of data that would have made people's head spin back in the 80s you know not you know not even that long ago like I think having a coach that can interpret that, that can look at the blue line, the yellow line and the pink line and tell you like, Oh, okay, well we need to look out for this. Like your fatigues higher than it should be like, let's increase your rest. Or, you know, like, um, I think, I do think there's a lot of value in somebody that has that kind of technical knowledge. And that is, is like literate in all of the data that you, you you know, have access to and stuff. I think that's, you know, and always just
1: having a second set of eyes on something is really interesting, you know? And, um, It's like, you know, I love to learn and talk about training all the time. And I was having a hard time last season. I just wasn't doing very well. And I was talking to one of the other coaches and they were able to point out to me that I'm just not getting enough recovery. Yeah. You know, and it's like I couldn't I couldn't see what the forest through the trees or whatever or whatever. And
0: that's why it's like it's so hard to be objective about yourself, like to make any decision, even like a medical decision is hard to make with just your point of view, you know, it's good to invite that expert point of view and to just be like, Hey, like you don't think about this because it's you, <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm not you. I'm not, I'm not blinded by all of the stuff that's going on in your head. And I can say like, Oh, well, Dan, you're not recovering enough. Or like, uh, Hey Joe, like all of your rides have way the heck too much intensity, you know, like ride, do a slightly longer zone two right here. And you're like coaching is, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not for everyone. Cause it's expensive.
1: Yeah, and that's I mean, what I was going to say. And we do have like there are you know, there are, there are a couple of coaches that that I would recommend that um, you know, if if you're interested in that, you know, like Gabe Norda, Gabe, Gabe Kyson Montague. He's Kyson's actually working on a physiology degree right now. He's you know, I, I think these guys would I would trust them with my coaching. You know, I just oh, want to throw. out okay. No one on this
0: team is too good to be coached by them. And as yeah. a matter of fact, <laughs> it might might kind of be the opposite. You know.
1: Yeah. You know, I'd throw I'd throw their um They'd They'd probably be pretty reasonable. Um, but obviously, it's 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 something that not everyone can afford, and it's not. You nec- don't need it. It's not necessary. You do not need it. Um,
0: if you can afford it, highly recommend it. Y-
1: you know, but again, that's where. I, I do think, though, if you're not going to do that, understanding training principles is, is super important. But also, you know, there's a lot of coaches and resources on our team that you could reach out to and, you know, you know, it, you know if something's not going right or you're not feeling how you think you should be feeling on certain rides. You know, reach out and ask somebody and kind of get a second set of eyes on it and
0: ask Dan. You love questions like that.
1: I do like questions. Yeah. You know, I don't
0: you get to kick out of it, you know. Start it's a good place to start. Can't promise you'll get the perfect answer, but you know.
1: You know, but one thing I do want to point out about coaches is it, coaching is you know, if you if you are following a training plan or being coached, it, it I would highly encourage you to not follow up perfectly if that makes any sense at all because
0: <laughs> don't uh, just slavishly defer
1: to your plan yeah it, it's yeah it, it's a plan it does, there's so many things it doesn't account for it doesn't it doesn't know your current glycogen levels it doesn't know your fatigue levels it doesn't know how well you slept the other night it doesn't know how they're much they're more like guidelines yeah the <laughs> well, pirates of the caribbean throw out for you there yeah you know and, and even like you know like like joe cochran if 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 there's ever something on his training plan he'll always i love it when he does this too he'll ask me like why do we do this and and that's <laughs> whoa that's something you should be able to you know you know, a, a coach that's should be like, able to answer. You that's know, that's
0: what like ninety nine percent of high end business consulting boils down to. Like, why do we do this? What? Is, and so often, that's like, oh, I don't know. It's you know, what? And, I don't know. You know,
1: and and there there should be a good answer to that question. Yeah, if you, you know? can't
0: answer that question immediately and
1: well, then maybe don't. <laughs> you yeah. know. You know, but I I was I was at one of the national races, and and there was a team that was like all wearing the same T shirt. And I wish I would have taken a picture of it, but that seems a little weird. Just going up and taking a picture, Take of, a a kid. picture of kids that you don't know, <laughs> yeah. that don't know you. <laughs> um, but so I am going to paraphrase it. I am going to get this wrong, but it basically said, w- "I am going to make up the name too because I can't remember the name." But we'll say whatever Coach Mike says,
0: huh?
1: You know, which I kind of thought was an interesting concept. That uh, I am, first of mm. all, I am kind of yeah. hoping the coach didn't make these t shirts. I was going
0: to say that's that hmm some psychoanalysis would happen behind the scenes here Co- coach mike is hmm hmm i'm skeptical <laughs> you know but we're reading this as a red flag right
1: we're we on the same page yeah
0: okay good i was like oh is this i hope you're not saying I, this is good that sounds bad dan sounds
1: you know like, i hope no one ever makes t-shirts about me that's because i've said a lot of things that are wrong
0: i was gonna say and,
1: <laughs> maybe think twice about what coach dan says yeah that might be a more appropriate uh, it's a long, it's a
0: longer shirt but you know it's
1: more <laughs> more precise you know and and i do think that you know people are wrong and and and, and it's okay to kind of question things and not just take everything as, as as gospel i do remember that one kid that i saw walking on you know i think i've told this story before but it was like a a Nica pre ride and he was walking his bike back and I'm like I'm like, dude, you okay, you need help? He's like, Oh no. My coach told me I was only supposed to pre ride for thirty minutes and <laughs> and he ran out of time while he was out oh. there so he walks his bike back.
0: Oh God. So okay, yeah, don't minute. don't make fun of kids. Don't make fun of kids. Don't make fun of
1: kids. So yeah, don't don't once do that. So, once you're over eighteen I'll slam you. So that's, that's why <laughs> that's why, you know, if if there's a phrase that I want you to remember Principles always Trump plans But plans are valuable Um But Principles are valuabler So you've got like
0: Three buts And you've got like Three qualifiers Let's just, think of something more Principles always win Is that better? Principles over plans Principle. Okay Well we'll settle on that You're like Principles always win But unless this But but this too And, and this, You need to have like Fine
1: print Like principles always win Asterisk Fine print You know Like <laughs> No, I said principles over plans, but plans are still important. And then there's another but. That's where
0: I was like, "Okay, no, like we pick pick something and stick with it." Dan, Um, we are low on battery here, and I want to save this before my computer deletes it. Um, Okay. I wonder if this will actually. I wonder if we'll get get there and listen to this. This might be a dress rehearsal. It sounds like we're like recording in like a wind tunnel or something. Um, I don't know. Uh, We'll we'll go. I, I guess if you're hearing this, it was okay, or our standards are low. And uh, uh, we'll do a follow-up after the race. Magic word
1: is raccoon.
0: Magic word is raccoon to the three people who send me the magic word every week. Shout out Amy Larkin and a couple other people. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, We hope to see a lot of you down here uh, tomorrow. Should be a good time. And we will uh, look forward to talking to everybody soon. All right. Thanks.